0: Uh, it's funny, when I was driving in this morning, <laughs> I don't know if the gentleman I saw, what saw. It, I was wearing my hoodie because it was cold, how we get 80 degree week and then we get a 60 degree Sunday? It's just, it doesn't make any sense, but it's LA, so who cares? Um, it's not raining, so I'm glad about it. Um, but I saw a gentleman who I don't think I've ever seen here walking across the street, and he was wearing an Impact City LA sweater. I had mine on, and the custodian, um, he had on his, and I was like, I looked at that dude, I was like, hey, man. You, know, he, he, you know, black men, we don't, we don't look at each other like that. But uh, <laughs> I was like, where you get that sweater from? But anyway, I, we're out there. So people, branding works, guys, branding works, all right? So I just wanted to share that with you. Hey, But this morning, I want to continue in our Freedom Series, and I want to invite you to turn with me in your apps or in your actual Bibles to Galatians chapter three, verses 14 through 18. I'm reading the CSB translation, and um, it reads like this in the text. It says this. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. Brothers and sisters, I'm using a human illustration. No one sets aside or makes additions to a validated human will. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say and to seeds as though referring to many, but referring to one and to your seed who is Christ. My point is this. The law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously established by God and thus cancel the promise. For if the inheritance is based on the law, it is no longer based on the promise. But God has graciously given it to Abraham through the promise. The title of this message is Trust and Believe. Trust and believe. And if you were with us last week, we ended off talking about justification through faith just real quick about how uh, Paul who is a pastor, uh, a missionary, a church planner, is writing to the Galatian church about um, some things that are infiltrated, the church that are wrong, that are telling them that they need to obey a law that they know nothing about. They need to obey customs that they were not brought up in, don't know anything about, in order to be in fellowship, in family in the family of God. And Paul's saying that no, you do not need to do this. Remember we talked about Jesus plus nothing equals everything. All you need is faith in Jesus Christ. And he's continuing the story by introducing a character by the name of Abraham. Now, for Jewish people, they would know who Abraham was off the bat, but if you grew up far from the custom, maybe you heard about him but, or maybe not. So he's introducing this person named Abraham, and he's telling him that Abraham was a man chosen by God, but he didn't have to obey the law to be in relationship with God. And he's using him because Abraham, if you don't know it or not, was not Jewish. Abraham was a Gentile like the people he's talking to. He's saying, So, this this Jewish, this Gentile man, just like you, non Jewish, who God came to and God established a covenant with. And so, he continues the story by telling them this because if you want to obey the law, you need to know who it's connected to. And this is why he talks to them about Abraham. But Abraham's story is found in Genesis chapters. 25 through 20, 12 through 25. And I'm going to read all 13 chapters for you right now. But no, I'm not. But I will, in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, this is God talking to Abraham. And this is what he says. He says this, that after these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram. In a vision, Abram was his name. God changed his name to Abraham. And remember, God came. God came to him in a vision. We talked about that in January. How it's key to get a vision from God about your life. God wants to show you things about your life. So, so it is. God has come to Abraham and given him a God's preferred picture outcome for his life. And He says, "Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield." Your reward will be very great. But Abraham said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abraham continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him, this one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited to him as Righteousness. Abraham is a man married to a woman named Sarah, and they are at this point when God comes to them, they are well aged. They cannot have any children. They've been trying for a long time to have kids. And what is significant about this is that in that time, if you didn't have children, you were just dismissed as worthless. You had no heirs. You know, if you were a woman and you didn't have a child, like people just looked down upon you, like you were just like the worst of the worst because you couldn't have a kid. Now they did everything they knew to do to try to have a baby. They did it. That's a good, good place to laugh, Drew. They were working. They were striving. They did it. Everything that they said to do, they obeyed all the rules that said this is how you have a baby. You're married you're a man, you're a woman, do this, you should get pregnant. They kept doing that, and 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 somewhere along the way they said that this, this, there must be another way to have a baby, because we've been doing what they said to do, and we have gotten nowhere. We have gotten no results. How is it that we keep keeping these rules, but we ain't advancing? How is it that we keep doing what everybody else says that we should do, but we don't feel like we blessed? How is it that we're not breaking through in the areas of our life by doing what everybody else has did? They got 10 kids over there. We can't even get one. And they realized that that wasn't working. Something was wrong, but it wasn't that something was wrong. It was that it was a setup by God. Because God wanted to use what was broken. God wanted to use what was rejected. God wanted to use what everybody else said. Hey, this is how you do it. And this is how you become successful and famous and all that. This is, God wanted to use what was broken to bring about something that was perfect. And so God chooses Abraham and he chooses his wife, Sarah, and he says, I will give you a seed. I will give you a son. I will give you offspring as numerous as the sky. If you can count them, that's how many your offspring would be. But Abraham's been waiting and nothing's been happening. And God comes to him and he affirms this covenant with him. And then he told Abraham, now make sure you go and you do ABCD. Or he said, now make sure you go and you go and do this now. No, God tells Abraham, I'm going to do this. And the Bible says that Abraham believed. And because he believed God, God counted it as righteousness. He counted it. He counted. He saw Abraham now because of his faith, because he trusted and believed God. He saw him now as in right relationship with him because all he did was believe God. You got striking so far? This covenant that God had, this covenant, this agreement, this oath. And, and, and today our covenant that we see, the, I guess the only covenant, covenant is not the same as a contract, but marriage is like the picture of covenant that we see. It is between two people. And that covenant is is not, it doesn't extend to you and a third party. It does not extend you and your mama and them and all that stuff. This covenant is between a man and his wife. I don't care how they're defining marriage nowadays. The Bible, there's a law of first mention. Whenever you hear first mention in the Bible, something first mentioned in the Bible, look how it is first mentioned. So when marriage is introduced in the Bible, it is introduced between Adam and Eve, a man and a woman. I will say that's all I'm going to say about that. So marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman, and it does not include anybody else. Right. This covenant that God enters in with Abraham is between God and Abraham. But it is unilateral. It is one way. It is God saying, I'm going to do this for you, not you do this for me and then I'll do this. You, The rule, the law, was based on you do this, I do that. You do this, I do that. You do this, I do that. And the law was a flawed system. And so justification by faith, because Abraham believed God and it was counted righteousness to him, is the blessing of Abraham. I don't want you to miss that, because I've heard the blessing of Abraham taught as money, I've heard the blessing of Abraham taught as a great name, fame, land. You know what I'm saying? All that stuff is what I've been taught. The, we we they used to sing a song called the blessing of Abraham. Get your inheritance. And when you don't have an inheritance, that sounds great. I want to be blessed like Abraham. I want to pray the prayer of Jabez in the Bible, which talks about enlarging my territory. Everybody wants more. But when God said, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you, he wasn't talking about fame, riches, or anything like that. He was talking about all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you by justification, by faith. I used to think that that meant that we all descended from Abraham. Because they Abraham, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham, I am one of them. And so are you, right? So let's just praise the Lord. Right hand and we all repping up and like going dizzy trying to ate hey, Father Abraham. Those kids know nothing about that. They're too young for our Sunday school shenanigans. <laughs> but Father Abraham, right? So I used to think that, oh, we're all like Father Abraham was like, we all descended from him, right? Forgetting about Noah and the flood, forgetting about Adam and how the earth was populated and all this stuff, right? How God reset it all after the flood. But no, we're just all descendants. That's my thought. When the blessing of Abraham comes to all of humanity, it is the blessing of justification through faith. Thou sit. Because we've been taught that when you come to Christianity, yes, we believe in Jesus, but somehow along the way in order to stay in relationship with God, we start adhering to all these different rules that we don't know why we're doing it, but it's just because we're Christians and we got to stay saved and all that. And what we illustrated last week was that whenever we tell somebody that you need to do this to be saved and do this to stay saved, then you're putting their hands in handcuffs. You're shackling shackling their life, and now you're telling them that they have to obey rules in order to stay in relationship with God. God says, in order to stay in relationship with me, you need to have faith. You got to have faith. So justification by faith is the blessing of Abraham passed on to all people. This is why Abraham is called the father of faith. This is why he's called the father of faith, because God, he entered into this covenant with God who established it purely on his word. And Abraham was like, I believe you. And then they move forward. So what, so what is Paul talking about then in Galatians chapter three? So in Galatians chapter three, verses 14 through 18, this is what it teaches us. The number one thing, the first thing I want you to see is that the promise is direct. The promise is direct. In, in, in verse 16, it says, Now the promises were spoke, spoken to Abraham and to his seed. God spoke them, gave him a vision for his family, gave him a vision for his life to Abraham and to his seed, who was not here yet. He does not say, into seeds, as though referring to many people or many many different children, but referring to one, and to your seed, who is Christ. If you read Matthew, it starts off with Matthew chapter verse, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Abraham father of Isaac And it begins this lineage that lets you know that where Jesus came from, the lineage that he came from, and Jesus is connected back to the lineage of Abraham. He is the seed, the promised seed that God was talking about. Not seeds, not Isaac and Jacob and the rest of them dudes, but just Jesus was the one that God said, I'm going to use this and your family to bring my seed, my son, the one who will carry justification by faith, the one who will bring the promised Holy Spirit, the one who make all of us right with God I'm going to bring him through your lineage and if you think your family is jacked up you should read Jesus' family he got prostitutes in there he got murderers in there he got killers in there he got some liars in there King David oh man I just read about him and Bathsheba and, and all that he, he broke two commandments in like one night I mean like you know if it was based upon keeping the law then God couldn't even bring Jesus into the world To the seed, the promise was spoken directly to Abraham and his seed. And the promises were twofold. Now, I don't want us to miss this. The promises were twofold because he said that I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give your descendants as if you can count the stars. That's how many descendants you will have. He's talking about by faith, all those who believe him. But he also said, I'm going to give your descendants some land. This is why, man, this is why I've been throughout the first of the year. I was beating it down and beating it down. It was my personal thing, but I want it for everybody. This is why it's so important to have a vision for your life, to be having a vision for your family, because God wants to bless your family, your your children through you. He wants to use you to set up some things for them. He wants you to pass down some things generationally to them. One of the things that God promised to do for Abraham was, I'm going to give them this land called Canaan, or we know it as the promised land. But that was only until Isaac and then there was Jacob and his family. They moved in, and then they moved out because there was a famine, and then they ended up in slavery in Egypt, right? So, I mean, I'm just all over the place, but if you're following me, the land wasn't for me and you because we don't live there. That land was for his family, but the justification by faith was for me and you. That's a promise of God. And also, wherever the justification is by faith, the Spirit of God is also there. You can't be justified with God and not have the Holy Spirit. Because what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit comes in to enact or activate the righteous living of Christ inside of us. So it's not about law-keeping, it's about being Spirit-led, We're going to be talking about that in the next couple of weeks. But it's about now living life, being led by the spirit, doing what God would have us to do. And you don't have to think about because if you're just thinking about the law, then you're always thinking about what you're not doing right. You're not thinking about being free in the spirit to live as God has led you. So God has a blessing for Abraham, his children, but he also has a blessing for your children. Does he not? Here's a blessing for your children. One of the things that he wants you to do is, one, he wants you to set up, you know, be good stewards of everything that you have. Be good stewards with your money. Everything that you get is not not to be eaten. Some of that stuff's supposed to be stored up. Supposed to plant some seeds. Supposed to put some stuff away for your family, right? Be a blessing to your wife. Be a blessing to your kids. And, And single people, don't wait till you get a husband. Don't wait till you get a wife. Start being a blessing to yourself now. Start setting some stuff up. You don't have to wait for life to begin when someone else comes and thinks that they want to live life with you. Start living life now and watch God do some things for you, right? Open doors. And many of you are already doing that, but keep on doing that. Make somebody have to catch up with you. Don't slow down for them. So God wants you to be a blessing to your family. But God also wants you to pass down the inheritance of faith. He wants you to teach your children, if you have children, about him. Look, the kids went off to those teachers. Those teachers are going to see them again next Sunday. There's six days between now and then. What will they learn about God from being in your home? What will they learn about prayer from being in your home? How will they see mommy and daddy interact from being in your home? See, my heart on this, on this message right here is I want to set God up as a good father. I don't want you to see a, a, a God who is a law, you know, like slave master, like obey my laws. I want the heart of God to come through the Father's heart of God to come through. Because when when I sit down and i talk to my kids, whenever when you have a baby, what are you doing when you have a baby? When the baby is born and you're holding your baby, all you're doing is speaking kind things over your baby, if you're a good parent. You're speaking kind things over your baby. You're speaking about all the things that you're going to do for the baby. And you never want to say, I'm going to do all that for you, but you better be good. (laughs) You better not act up. If you don't act up, then I'm not going to give you no ice cream. Like, your baby does not even understand that. But because of the generosity of your heart, because of grace, because of love, because your baby didn't ask to be here, what do you speak as a parent? I know I just spoke loving, glowing things over my kids. And then when they got older, then the rules came. But when they were born, it was just like, oh, man, you can have whatever, what you want, baby, whatever you want. God, baby, daddy's going to give it to you. No, my baby only wears Jordans, you know, (laughs) all that stuff, you know, because you want the best for your kids. The promise is direct. It's what God speaks to his children. This is why you got to get a vision for your life. And this is why also, too, then Paul goes on and tells us that in that he tells us that the covenant is superior, far greater than the law. The covenant is greater than the law. The promises of God that God spoke to Abraham are greater than the law. He tells them in verse 17, my point is this, the law which came later, 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously established by God and thus cancel out the promise. So what's the point of the law then? If you go back to what I just said, when the baby is born, there's no need for rules because the baby ain't doing nothing. It's pretty boring watching, I mean, once you get a routine with the baby and all that stuff, babies are pretty boring, because all they do is sleep. And then when they start crying again, then it gets exciting, and they start pooping and all that stuff, then it gets a little exciting. But other than that, babies are boring. I've had three of them. They're pretty boring (laughs) at a certain point. And then, but when they start walking around, then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Now you're following the baby. Now you're child-proofing the house. Now you're setting up safety parameters for them. You don't let them go outside by themselves because they don't know that the street is dangerous. So you usually keep them in the house. And then, as they get older, then they can go outside, but then what do you say? Don't go, you stay from this pole to that pole. Don't ride your bike past it, I gotta see you. You start setting up the rules later as guardrails so your child knows where, how far I can go. Not before I get in trouble, But how far I can go before I get hurt? Not trouble, but hurt. The law was set up. The Ten Commandments were set up, which there are 600 and something laws. I've already told you this. They were set up not so people can be, oh, go this far before you get in trouble. But I need you to go this far so you know that you're safe. Because God is a good father. But God is a holy God and how we relate to God we it, it, we have to have he has to set up the parameters for how we relate to him as fallen humans to a holy God so the law was given because of trans, trans transgressions acts of sin that are against God so there were there was activity that was going on amongst the people 430 years after Abraham already got a promise after God delivers them out of Egypt. He takes them from bondage and slavery and he's going to bring them back to that land that he promised Abraham, the land of Canaan, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The Bible tells us, but he says, if you're going to go here, I need you to know how to act here. The law was given so that they will know how to act socially amongst one another. And they will also know how to act spiritually between them and God. That's why the law was given. Hey, if you don't, if you're not jealous, if you don't covet your neighbor's wife, if if you're not trying to get your neighbor's wife, then you won't do anything to harm your neighbor, right? If you don't steal, then you're not gonna violate the boundaries of your neighbor. If you honor me, if you worship only me, then you'll be blessed by me. God was saying like, this will keep you safe, socially and spiritually. So it was given so you wouldn't, we wouldn't know what sin is. The law makes us aware of what sin is. Do not the laws of your city <laughs> let you know what you need not to do so you can not go to jail. Keep each other safe. We hate our traffic, but ain't nobody speeding because we don't want that ticket. Maybe some of us are. <laughs> if no one else is around. If, you, if you're late and there's actually no traffic, you might do that, right? The law, number two, the law was temporary. It was only supposed to care for us until Jesus came, until the seed was born. And then when the seed was born, Jesus came, he would fulfill the law. He would do everything with the law that we couldn't do. And then our faith in him would be what we needed to be in relationship with God. The law wasn't supposed to just ride us out forever. It was a temporary thing. And then number three, it was second class. Because God, the promises were spoken directly to Abraham. The law was given through a mediator. Hey, Moses, you come up here. You talk to me because you're the only person I like anyway. I'm going to write down some stuff for you. You go back and you tell them what I said. Because God was done with the people because of all their actions. But because he's a good father, his grace didn't wipe them out. But God is a holy God, see? And so we have to relate to him not on our terms, But on his terms, on his terms. But it was second class because what God really wants is just to be with us in the house chilling. God wants to hang out with you. God doesn't want to have to talk to you through Moses. Hey, Moses, we're playing telephone. God said, God doesn't want to be in a relationship like that. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Jesus is our great mediator, but because of what he's done now, we always have access, direct access to God. The law, think think about like this, the rich young ruler. Are you guys familiar with the story of the rich young young ruler? He was, uh, in in Matthew, there's a story of this young man who's very, very rich, and he comes to Jesus, and he he says, Yo, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I got to do to be saved? And Jesus tells him, well, have you kept the commandments? And then they name the commandments. Honor your mother and father, you know, don't steal, things like that. And the rich young ruler says, I've done all that my whole life. I'm good. I'm keeping the law. Boom. I should have eternal life. Jesus said, there's one thing you haven't done. Go sell all your possessions and then come and follow me. And the rich young ruler went away heavy hearted. He was grieved because he had great Possessions. His possessions had him. He didn't have his possessions. See, you can keep the law, but you can also keep your heart from God. And the rich young ruler was keeping the law, obeying the law, but he was keeping his heart from God. This is why the law was always a bad thing, because it made us think that we were good, but it reminded us that we weren't. It made us think that God will reward us, but God never gave rewards for the law. It made us think that that was how we were supposed to live. But God says, I have better living than that for you. I have a life of freedom for you that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. You can obey all the laws you want, but you don't like the laws. I was talking to a coworker this week and we were talking about um, some stuff about, you know, how rules or even our job how everything FedEx tells us to do, we don't like, but we do them so we don't get in trouble. But my heart is not changed by any of FedEx's guidelines. There is nothing, there's no transformation going on the inside because I'm keeping my job. I'm just doing what I need to do so I don't get fired. I'm not trying to get fired on my day off, you know what I mean? (laughs) Not trying to get that call, you know? The rules. People say rules are meant to be broken. That's only because you don't want to keep the rules. God always chooses grace. God always chooses grace. Galatians 3:18 says this, "For the inheritance is based on the law. For the, if, if the inheritance, excuse me, is based on the law, it is no longer based on the promise. But God has graciously given it to Abraham through the promise. These people, the Judaizers that the Galatians were listening to, were trying to tell them that the law superseded the covenant. But we see that that's not so. Because it's so great. God is so good because God unconditionally promised Abraham an inheritance. The blessings of of all nations through justification by faith. So where there's justification, there's also the liberty of the spirit. Right. Because when you are faithless, when you break the rules, God always keeps his promises. When you break the rules, God always keeps his promises because he's a good father. And so when we see when when we relegate following God to following rules, we miss it. And a lot of us don't see God as a good father because we didn't have good fathers. When your dad is absent, when your dad's not there, or when he is there, I didn't realize how much damage a dad can do from being there, because everybody I knew didn't have a dad, so we didn't have stories to like, yeah, man, my dad's in the house, but, you know, I didn't know. I, didn't, I had one friend who was raised by his dad, he was here, his mom was in Ohio, and he was growing up with his dad, and his dad tragically died like two years after we, we graduated high school, but he was like the only friend I had growing up with his dad. The rest of us had moms. And so when we talked about dad, we weren't talking about dad. Dad wasn't around. So then when I got saved and I came to Christ and now you're trying to tell me that God is a father, I struggle with that. When you tell me that God is a good father, I struggle with that. When you tell me that God accepts me for who I am and, and just purely upon he loves me and all that just before, because of who I struggle with that. It took me a long time to in prayer to even pray to my father. I learned the Lord's prayer as a kid, but that just becomes repetition. Our Father who art in heaven, i will be like, there's no heart in that. When I started to pray and I'd be like, because the spirit of God cries out in us, Abba, Father. Yes. There's a spirit of God in us that cries out to our Father. But when you've been hurt and you've been wounded by Dad, you don't know that God's not the same as your heavenly Father or your earthly Father, I should say. He doesn't have the same motives. He doesn't have the same heart. He's not ever going to leave us or abandon us. So when we just follow God based upon rules, we're saying that, well, I got to do this because my dad wanted me to do this. Or if I would just do this because my, my father would want me to. And I know if my father wants me to do this, and then, then I can keep him happy. I'll keep him coming back. I'll keep him whatever. And God's saying, like, no, I don't need you to perform. I need you to have faith. Everything in this world is telling you to perform. Everywhere you go, they're telling you you're not good enough. Your best self ain't it. Everywhere you go, hey, you only got 150 followers on Instagram like I do, then I must not be popping. <laughs> I just, I'm, just, just, I'm, I'm not it. But if I was measuring my life off of that, where would I be? What would I do to get you to like me, to perform, to keep you around? No covenant, no marriage should be based upon performance. This is why it's good to be virgins when you get married. Because you ain't got nothing to compare nothing to. And now you can figure it out together. And how much more is that life together? I know what you like. I don't know what she like or the other girl. I mean, because I don't know. I ain't got nothing to compare it to. See, God's Rules are always meant to protect us because when we cross those boundaries, we open ourselves up to all the pain and the hurt that a good father was trying to protect us from. This is why he's saying my promise to Abraham spoken through a- spoken through the seed Jesus Christ. That all I wanted you to do is believe in me. Believe that I love you. Believe that I'm going to show up. Believe that I keep my word. Believe that I can provide. Believe that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Believe that I can heal you. Believe that I can help you. Believe that I want to. Believe that I'm God. And if you just believe that, you are justified by faith through Christ. And the Spirit of God will lead you into all truth. This is what he says. So, How do I apply this to my life? How do I apply this to my life? Simple, simple for me, but steps for all of us. Always. We just got to grow in relationship and not rules. Grow in relationship, not rules. Rules are a measuring stick to let you know where you are, but there are no limits on a relationship. It can be as wide and as spacious and as beautiful as you put into it. And God is saying like, "Yo, that's what I gave Abraham. I gave Abraham me and Abraham gave me his faith. And we had a great relationship. it Rocky, was it Rocky? Yeah, it was Rocky. Abraham didn't do everything that God wanted him to do, how God wanted him to do it. But did God ever take himself away from Abraham based upon his performance? Never. And through faith in Christ, God will never take you take himself away from you based upon what you're not doing. Because all he cares about is, do you believe in what I've provided for you? My son who died on the cross in your place to provide you with life. Do you believe in that? If you believe in that, we good. Everything else we can work out on the way. The spirit inside of you is going to help lead you, going to help guide you. We can work out the rest of it on the way. But do you believe in that. And if you believe in that, we can start right there. Grow in relationship, not rules. And this is why so many people don't like the church. Because we put all these rules on everything. Come as you are doesn't really mean come as you are sometimes. Come as you are. Short dress, no dress, whatever, you know, please wear a dress, but. <laughs> You know <laughs> you know some days I ain't that saved, you know what I mean? Like, you know, please wear something. Um, <laughs> but see, in relationship you can laugh at that. When you're in rules we get tight. Oh god, the pastor said that. In relationship you get like that's just a joke and we know that's a joke. And I think God has a sense of humor. I think Jesus was sitting around farting. I think Jesus was sitting around <laughs> cracking jokes. I think Jesus was sitting around like, you know, I think he was one of the boys. He was he was chilling. I believe Jesus was chilling. I don't believe Jesus was was upset because Peter cussed. I mean, I think like Ben, Peter, you know, what's up, dog. I feel like Jesus was chilling. And I'm not trying. No, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or blasphemous or anything like that. But it's thank you, bro. How can Jesus how we're made in the image of God, his character, his likeness. We're made in that he, he made he gave us jokes. He gave us the ability to enjoy one another. He gave us the ability to know a bad relationship when we see one and to to relish and thrive in great relationships. So, why would God be this? Why would God come into earth incarnation? God become a man and be this stuffy dude that no one wants to be around. Jesus was so dope that babies wanted to be around him. Kids wanted to be around Jesus. Women who felt like that every other man was trying to take advantage of them or disrespect them, they ran to Jesus. They wanted to be around him. He made men feel like they could be men and it was okay. You can cry. You can weep. You can show emotion. That, that's masculinity, not this fake, oh, I'm tough. I'll never cry. Like, no, you can be yourself and be okay being yourself. Why would God come to earth if he wanted to keep the status quo? If he didn't want to show us something different, why would he even come here? He could have stayed up there. It's great in heaven. But he chose to step into humanity to show us a better way of living. He came so that the woman caught in adultery wouldn't be stoned. Come on. He came so that the man on the cross and oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Sometimes you just got to keep talking. You got to keep blabbing. Because if we are supposed to obey the laws in order the law itself to be in right relationship with God, then when Jesus was crucified on the cross, what do you say to that? What do you say to that? When, you, when Jesus is crucified between, between two, two thieves and one is mocking him, one is talking about him, and then the other one says, please don't forget about me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus turns to him on the cross, dying. He's giving grace even as he's dying. And he says, tonight you will be with me in paradise. That dude didn't get off the cross and go get baptized. We don't see where that dude started speaking in tongues. We don't see where that guy prayed any other prayers. But his faith that Jesus said, you're going to be with me, was enough for him to enter into eternal glory with the Father. If it's about rules, then how does that guy do it? You can, yes, yeah, I know we don't like it because all, a lot of us who are saved, trying to do it, we don't like the fact that God would extend grace to somebody on their deathbed when they lived however they lived. God, I've been, and then we're no different from the two sons, the, the, the prodigal son, the son who went away and the son who stayed. Most of us, we abide by rules because we're the son who stayed and we think that God should give us more than the one who ran away and came back. And God is saying, like, if you stay, That's great. But if you come back, oh, that's really great. Grow in relationship, not rules. My kids don't have to abide by rules to be close to me. They just need to be in relationship.